0: Welcome my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host Kevin Rutherford. Phone lines are open if you are listening to me on the live stream right now. The number to join us 855 950 3835. That's 855 950 fuel one more time if you're listening on the stream call lines are open right now 855-950-3835 start dialing we'll get to your calls here in just a couple minutes um just to give you an update on this show every day um we plan on continuing this show in this time slot uh five days a week it will be 99% caller driven. For example, sometimes it takes us a couple minutes to get some calls coming in at the beginning of a show, so I have to say something. Um, But I'm not going to be planning on any big opens or commentaries. Um, I have a couple things I'll talk about today, just waiting for some calls to come in, so go ahead and start dialing. I did see on both websites, well, definitely on HealthyTribe.com, um, I had several requests, a couple private, and I saw one post. Uh, it seems like people miss the commentary and the politics and the news updates. I haven't been doing those this last week, so I may do a little bit of that this morning. But ultimately, politics and commentary will have its own show. You can subscribe to it if you want to hear it. You don't have to subscribe to it if you don't want to hear it. Um, Give me one second here. We are working on an issue. That's the whole point of these shows, Um, why we're only broadcasting to the tribe right now. We want to work through some of these issues. Uh, I'm having somebody check the phones only because I'm not seeing any calls come in right now, and that's pretty unusual. So I want to make sure uh it's not something on our end i know i saw some calls come in this morning uh before we got started but i'm not seeing any right now so um help me out here i dial me up just to say yes we're hearing you and we can make sure the phones work if you want uh 8559503835 uh um All right, so while they're working on the phones and we get some of your calls in, uh, one of the things people um, ask that I comment on is the Russia-Ukraine thing going on. Uh, I have plenty of comments, obviously lots of uh, opinions on that. It's not good. Um, A lot of what we're hearing from the media is – misleading at best and this is a really complicated issue and i've certainly been studying it oh thank you calls are starting to fly in now we're good so now if you want to get in you better dial Um, thank you for that it's working Um, here's the problem I, i am really really struggling to find any good answers to this ukraine russia problem and i don't think there is any and here's why Uh, The U.S. and the EU, the European Union and NATO and most of the world is watching this and saying – and I get it. I understand they can't do a no-fly zone. You can't do this. We can't do that because everybody is just freaked out about the thought of starting a war with Russia. And what that could lead to. I mean, Russia has enough nukes to destroy the entire planet. And we clearly have a madman in control of it. So how do you deal with this? And I know they've been trying to do just enough to help the Ukrainians without pissing off the Russians. Well, Putin. But it's not working. And it's not to say they shouldn't have tried it this way. I don't know. Maybe they could have done more. Um, But as far as trying to stop Putin from what he's doing, I'm not sure that we're going to be able to. And that's a problem because at some point then we have to decide, do you just let Russia keep taking over countries? Or do you finally say, look, we have to fight him and even if he – if he's gonna launch nukes, we have to fight him. I, that's what I mean. There's no good answer to this. If we do fight him and he launches nukes, that sucks. But he might do it anyway. He's he's taken over one nuclear power plant, and I think they're working on a second one now. So I, I'm not I'm not optimistic for a good ending to this. I, um, I I don't now the one thing that everybody seems to be asking for except the Biden administration just seems to be saying no, and that is pumping more American oil. I I just don't understand how pumping more American oil could be bad. Now, we also want to stop everybody in the world, including us, the United States, from buying oil from Russia right now. That seems like a really stupid thing to do. There is one downside, and it could be a big one, To stopping that oil flow from Russia, to stop buying oil from Russia, especially until after we can get our production ramped up. Because if you shut off oil from Russia right now, you could put the entire world into a recession for sure and possibly a depression that's That's how critical the oil supply in the world is right now. Just the fact that they talked about doing it sent prices through the roof. If we actually shut off oil from Russia and everybody stops buying it, we could see two hundred dollar a barrel oil, and we'd be talking about eight dollar a gallon gas i think and that's that would i think it would send the world economy into a tailspin so what do we do? I, I don't know. I hope there are people out there smarter than I am that have this figured out, but I'm I, I, I just I'm not all that confident. So you shut off oil to Russia, maybe it puts more pressure on Putin. I'm sure it will, but will it stop him? I don't know. And what if it doesn't? And if we don't crank up production, then we have a huge problem, oil-wise, worldwide. So it seems to me even, get this, even Elon Musk, who makes his billions off of selling electric cars and should be jumping up and down for joy that gas is now almost $4 a gallon and diesels $5 a gallon, he came out and said, we have to pump more American oil. I don't know why everybody sees this and our administration just says, no, no, we're not going to do that. I I, I don't get it. So that seems to me like the one thing that could be done right now that might make somewhat of an improvement. And then if we can build up enough supplies, stop buying from Putin. But the guy's a madman. I I am (sighs) – you know, Lindsey Graham the other day said – He actually was speaking to the people around Putin, his generals and all that, and he said, look, somebody's got to take him out. And, of course, the White House responded immediately and said, oh, no, we can't say that. We don't promote that. We can't talk about killing heads of state. Well, come on. We've done it before. We went after Osama bin Laden for years and killed him. And, you know, I doubt that we could get to Putin. I'm not even sure if our best SEAL team could get to Putin. He's so well surrounded. So I think Lindsey Graham did the right thing. Uh, we try to communicate with the people around him. Somebody needs to take the guy out. He's killing children every day. Why would the White House say we can't say we have to take him out? It's not like we haven't done this before. We do it all the time. Why this time we can't? Oh, you can't say that. Why not? Why not? The guy's a madman. He's killing children. He's about to destroy the world economy, and he's threatening nukes. What do you mean we can't take him out? Of course we can. If we could figure out how to take him out with our military, we should. But he can't say that. Lindsey Graham's being condemned for saying it. I don't understand why we can't. Done it before. All right, so... Um, I had some other things I was going to talk about, but since the calls are flying in, I think I should just start getting to those. Let's go to. uh, Let me figure. Those are the wrong calls. Hold on. Wait a minute. Hey, Lisa, Angie, Aaron. Why are all the calls that come in? Why are they all terminated? Every call that come in is now listed under terminated calls. Are you screening them and hanging up, or do we have something going wrong? Okay, here's a new one coming in. I'll watch this one. Uh, are we screening that call that just came in? Hello? Anybody hearing me? Uh, Aaron, Angie, Lisa, somebody, give me some feedback. I'm seeing all terminated calls. Oh, there's one. Okay, that one's screened. Let me try taking that one and we'll figure out what happened to all the other calls. Let's. Uh...
1: So I'll just wait for the beep?
0: Yep, there's the beep. Mark Look. in Idaho. Oh, welcome. How you doing, Kevin? Good. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. Hey, um, what's on? Un- well, glad, uh,
1: glad you got your show going on. Um, well, thank you. Also, yeah. <clears throat> uh, you know, we, we hear over quite a while now. I've been hearing quite a bit of talk about, um, you know, the whole electric trucks, uh, Tesla, just electric vehicles in general. But I never hear. I could have just missed the show, but I never hear um, any talk about the cost of electricity. This stuff isn't free. So what's the? No, I, and I haven't done any research because I'm not gonna. I'm not planning on buying one anytime soon. So
0: right. there,
1: yeah, there is a cost
0: I, difference. So there is, and I, I can answer that for you. And I've done a couple little pieces on it here and there, so it would have been easy to miss. I, I've researched this a lot. Here's one of the problems. First off, I've been saying this forever. We need to get the politics out of electric vehicles. And and it's so heavily politicized that every time I mention electric vehicles, people start screaming, oh, that's not going to work. They're not as green. as I, I, Look, I don't care if they're green. That That's really not my point yeah. in this. It, do they pollute more than diesel? I don't know, and I don't know if anybody could ever prove it or not. It's different – sure the battery technology we're mining and we're destroying the earth with mines and and then we're gonna have to have batteries to I I get all that I get all that we're gonna have to work it out but let's set that aside let's not make this political and I wish the government would get out of any kind of subsidies or tax breaks for electric or solar or wind get the government the hell out of this and then we can get down to cost Because you're on the right track. To me, this all comes down to cost. This is either more efficient or it's not. And if it's not, I don't think it's going to make it, and I don't want the government subsidizing it. So that's the first thing, and I don't know if we'll ever get rid of that. But here's where we are. I don't know either. One of the reasons it's going to be difficult to predict is – Let's say – and we're already starting to make the transition, so maybe we'll start seeing some of this. Everything that we buy, the price of it is really based on supply and demand, right? We know that, right? Correct. Do we agree? Yeah, correct. Yeah, Yeah, so here's what should start to happen. As more and more people buy electric vehicles, and it's happening. My God, watch a TV commercial now every car company is advertising their electric cars. Like everybody has one all of a sudden, and they're advertising them and taking orders for them. So you would think that at some point, we should start seeing gas and diesel come down because there's less demand, but we also have to know that now we put a big demand on the electrical system, so what we have for electric prices today could go up.
1: I go up. And if, yeah.
0: if well, we I mean, can't start producing a lot more electricity, they will go up. If we can produce a lot of electricity, then we should be able to hold the cost down. Now, once that kind of stabilizes a little bit even, now we can just say, look, here's a diesel truck, and we have all the numbers. We have so much history. We can tell you the average the works, diesel yeah. truck should cost us this much to run when fuel is this price this much to run when fuel is this price and maintenance should be roughly this much and it cost us this much to buy the vehicle so what we have to calculate on a diesel truck average total cost of ownership now we have to take an electric truck and we have no history on electric trucks we don't know what this thing's going to cost to run we can start to make some guesses, but we're not gonna know till they get put out in the real world. And then we would say, yeah. Okay, electricity costs this much, so this truck will, will cost this much to power it down the road. We're starting to see here are the typical maintenance costs on an electric truck, and here's what it's going to cost to buy an electric truck. Now we can calculate total cost of ownership. If they're let's say just, they're really uh, close. Let's say it comes out. To, it's yeah. not that big of a deal. It's five or ten cents a mile difference, or maybe less than five cents. Now we would look at it and say, okay, um, maybe electric ends up being five cents more even. Well, I might be willing if the electric trucks are as good as I think they might be. I might be willing to yeah, spend that maintenance things like that. <clears throat> right. There's well, a lot of power. Uh, yeah, man. You know, there's a lot if Tesla pulls off what they claim, or even close.
1: That yeah, truck a thousand thousand,
0: horsepower, and I could lose two of my electric motors and still have the average horsepower of every other truck on the road. That's a pretty big advantage.
1: No, it is. It is. I just uh I just think about that, you know, Because, so, I mean things are pushing ahead that way, but um actual the actual cost of it, you know. So I, uh, we like don't you know said, it, that, and that's that, part everything of the you just talked about is going to take a while. So right, that's, that's definitely right. not going to happen overnight. You got to get trucks on the road, real real world data from regular users, and and um, yeah, now really start seeing the, things, the maintenance costs of things, and
2: I that's just know that.
1: One. I don't know anybody with a car or any kind of electric vehicle, so I don't know what they pay every night they plug it in their garage or when they go to work and plug it in. It costs something.
0: So, It does. Here's one of the things, though. So fuel itself, the only way we can get diesel fuel that we know of, nobody's ever made a synthetic diesel fuel. So the only way we know how to make fuel is to dig petroleum up out of the ground and then convert it into fuels, and we have to do that over and over and over and over and over. That process would never end. But electric, when you say it's not free, technically it could become free. I mean, it, it, in some cases it is right now because I – yeah. maybe not to power a truck, but I can tell you I powered all of my garden equipment all summer long for nothing. I, I spent yeah, well, a couple solar hundred stuff, dollars on you know, the initial yeah, price? Yeah. Right. So I spent a couple hundred dollars on some solar and a, you know, set, a setup like that and I put it up on top of my my, you know, greenhouse and I powered all my power tools all summer and I could basically say it was free.
1: We yeah. wouldn't be well, able to do that. Well, you guys talked about truck doing right that on right top but, of trailers and trucks and exactly, all that. Exactly. Right.
0: Right. That's uh, And and here's the thing, you know, like I said, the only way to produce diesel is to dig up petroleum we can produce electricity through solar wind water um we can do things like static electricity there there's all kinds of you know interesting ways of hell i can get on a stationary bike and pedal it and produce electricity
1: so here's a little thought i just had on uh you said wind so you got to have a little power to get started but once you're started driving you're producing a resistance wind. on wind by pushing through it and therefore right. if you could have some kind we, of you know we, as you're traveling
0: pushing wind you're producing power. We've we've talked about the idea of using things like NACA ducts, like they have on airplanes and NASCAR I think even uses them and they're they're you've seen air tabs, right? Yeah. So Think of that shape of an air tab that sticks out from the body, right? If you flip that air tab upside down and you could insert it into the vehicle body so it's flush, that's kind of an aqueduct. It, it's designed to be able to suck air into someplace and then direct it. So you would suck it in without disturbing the aerodynamics much because the air still yeah, flowing down. Nice yeah, a happy medium there. <laughs> yeah, so the air now gets sucked into the NACA duct without creating a lot of resistance and then it turns a little turbine. Now the turbine's going to create some resistance. But can we produce more power with that turbine than we lost in resistance? And that's the question. Maybe we can. Maybe we can't. I don't know. Yeah. Well,
1: that's that's pretty deep. That's a lot of work, but I'm sure people are working on stuff like that. Uh we're far from you know, uh not using uh, oil right now. Oh yeah, diesel. we're a long
0: way. We're uh, we're a long way.
1: Right. I mean it's it's starting to happen all this stuff, you know, basic electric vehicles like you've been talking about, but uh um still gonna be using diesel for a long time and uh, we, as long no as no doubt we, you know, what we no got doubt. going on it, in the
0: world, so here's the other good thing that I am happy about. If every one of these manufacturers is building and and selling electric cars, and it looks like they all are, we will start to get some of our answers from that. Now, it doesn't all translate to a truck, but a lot of it will be – we can look and say, hey, wait a minute. If the average car used to cost $0.10 a mile to maintain, and we're seeing these electric cars only costing $0.05 a mile to maintain – that's pretty awesome, and some of that should translate to a truck.
1: Yeah, same technology, you know, just uh, right, just bigger. bigger size. Yeah, yeah. All right, on. Yeah, it just was, um, just crossed my mind, and because I, like I said, maybe I missed those those shows. Obviously, I did, but uh, just there's not a lot of talk on actual like cost per kilowatt or whatever it is, because I know uh, when I used to pay PG&E when i lived
0: there uh it wasn't cheap <laughs> no so. it's not it, it but it, it's 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 also hard to even attempt to make the conversion i it's not cheap but what does that really mean cuz we have no idea how much of it it takes to power that truck yet not for not for sure yeah. but the bigger problem is any calculation we try to make now could end up being very wrong as the shift from diesel to electric starts to affect prices of everything. If diesel starts to go down because there's so much less demand and electric starts to go up, our calculation might flip. All of a sudden, you might go, oh, no, look, it's cheaper to run diesel now. But then if everybody moved back to diesel, then it's going to change again.
1: You see how – It's a weird domino uh, effect. right. That could easily change, just like you're saying. I don't know. Just thoughts that I had. So,
0: Here's another thought. We know that because the world is so dependent on oil right now, isn't that one of our biggest problems in Russia and Ukraine? That's all we're talking about. And we're talking about it because everybody on the planet needs oil. But as we start to make the switch to electric – well, maybe for a long time, the best thing will be that we actually have both.
1: Yeah, it's definitely forcing some uh, plans to probably be pushed forward right now. Uh, it doesn't yeah, happen and, overnight, and, but
0: um, right. Let's scramble, say that I'm sure. yeah. Let's say that right now we had already been moving to electric vehicles for five years. Well, Russia wouldn't be able to put such a stranglehold on us right now.
1: Yeah, I um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't engulf myself in the news, but I did catch something with, um, uh, it was Shell and, and I think another company where they, uh, they actually held contracts, or they, they're the ones that were actually purchasing it from, purchasing crude oil from Russia and stuff like that. So some of right, individual companies were putting holds on. On stuff, but
0: the government could stop uh, that. Government just says no. You can't buy oil from the U- or from Russia. The government tells us that kind of stuff yeah. all the time. And they can, and they yeah, should. They, they but they choose what they want to. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. The, the, the government yeah. could stop Shell from doing that in 30 seconds if they wanted to, and and that's what's going to have to happen. And it doesn't look like it's going to. But let's go back to something else because this is a great conversation, and I, I just had another thought. So when we look at how important oil and energy is in our world, it's a big thing, isn't it? We've, we've gone to war over it. We, we, we're kind of at war over it now, but, or it's making the war much that's more huge, complicated. Ma'am. And it's because only certain places in the world have oil. And some of those places have a lot of oil, like Russia. It's their whole economy I mean, Russia is now being called the gas station of the world because that's all they have in their economy, but they have a lot of it. The Middle East has a lot. turns out the United States and Canada are doing pretty good, too. But what about China? Does China have a lot of oil available? I kind of doubt it because they buy it from everybody else. What about – Yeah, I don't know. I can only assume that they don't. What what about Hawaii, the Bahamas, Australia, New Zealand – a lot of these countries can't produce any oil. They don't have it. It doesn't exist there. But everybody can produce electricity. Everybody. Every country in the world. Hell, yeah. my, my vision, based on the technology I know now, is why isn't every house built as a little power station? Why aren't we building houses with salt so- full solar roofs uh geothermal technology to pull some energy out of the ground we know how to do that with a couple little you know wind stations around the house somewhere on the house or why don't we turn every little house into a power plant we could it's quite possible
1: you know and i know there's some Wouldn't people that be pushing cool? for that and some people are re- resistant resistant against that and uh a lot of it's yeah i mean i i'm down for a lot of it and, some of it could be, you know. People say, "Well, I don't want." Not every yard needs a giant windmill in it, but um, well, and you I don't have maybe to have we don't
0: need giant stuff. Windmills. And, maybe it's maybe it's yeah. five little fans up on top of the roof that's put inside of a cupola, so you can't even see them. I mean,
1: well, that you stuff know, could think, run in the evening when there's wind. That stuff could run during a storm when there's not a lot of sun, because uh, it's you know, even if it's raining, man, that, the wind can produce so.
0: Um, Right, and then our uh, our biggest challenge uh, is the better our storage technology gets, batteries, the more feasible this becomes, because you're right. Whether it's wind, water, geothermal, at some point, you might not have enough to produce all the energy you need, but if we have good storage systems, it won't matter. Yeah. Yeah, And think about this. uh, Think about how powerful... Think about how powerful this is right now. One of our biggest worries right now, and the government's even warning us about it, if the Russians attack our electric grid through cyber, we could see devastation. If they turn off power to a, a big enough part of the country for a week, and that's our estimate, it, if they do it, it would probably take us a week to get it back on. People die from that.
1: Yeah, people – there's a lot Were of people – We're that dependent, dependent on day power. By day.
0: But, but imagine – if my house is my own little power station, <laughs> that's pretty incredible. Oh, I get it. You just, yeah.
1: People are more prepared than others.
0: Yeah, but, and uh... think about this: countries like Russia, with a the madman, they turn off power to their own people. Or now, Russia is threatening and already doing it, turning off power to Ukraine so they can defeat them in a war. The first country that figures out how to make everybody's house a little power station has a huge advantage all of a sudden.
1: Yeah, we're a ways from a lot of that.
0: But, um, it, we are. It's but definitely it, things that it, are.
3: But if
1: the time is fucked stop. you know?
0: <laughs> that's right. And if we all got pulling in the same direction to make that happen as a country, we could make it happen pretty quick. And when I say pretty quick, I'm still talking about years, not not months. Yeah. But, oh, for sure. But, but if we don't start with a good plan and actually start working towards it, it's going to be decades.
1: Well, We got one whiz pushing for a lot of it, and he's a smart guy. So uh, yeah, and, and he's and, and you know building all this stuff and making
0: designing a lot of Here's an interesting. It which, uh, here's yeah exactly and here's an interesting thought, and it makes me respect Elon Musk even more. Nobody on the planet not not i don't think there's any single person on the planet that benefits more or maybe Russia, but from high oil prices right now. people will run out and buy electric cars, and Tesla sells more electric cars than anybody, and yet Elon Musk came out this morning and said the u s better start pumping its own oil,
1: yeah. Well, he's a you know that he might be who he is, but he's just from what I've caught and listened and uh he's you're know, pretty much a realist, man, and um
0: exactly. Yep.
1: You know, this is yep. what uh, it, it's he's pretty cut and dry and and uh I respect that. So, I like that.
0: Yep, me too. Me too. Uh, Hey, Mark, great conversation. You're right. I think we need to talk a lot more about that. I'm going to cut you loose. Um, We've got some calls. We also have some phone lines open. So uh, if you're listening right now, the number to call to talk to me, 855-950-3835. Jump in. Uh, For some reason, I'm not seeing as many calls as we have been in the past show. Let me go see how many listeners we have. Um, I'm hoping it's not some sort of technology issue. So we had that big flurry of calls. We lost them all. I'm not sure why. Uh, Now we have a couple, but uh, help me out here. If you're listening, dial in. Help us work out our technology here. 855-950. We have a lot of listeners. What are you guys doing? Call me. I'm gonna to get to the calls. Here we go. We're gonna head off to Indiana this time. Jeff, welcome to the program.
3: Yeah, a couple things. Uh, when you open your show, especially when you're well, when you're on the road, tell us where you've been, where you're going, and what you had for dinner. And then I got I've had another question.
0: Got it. <laughs> All right. So let me do that. We want, we want to
3: update. know. We, we want to. Yeah, we kind of want to know your travels and where you're kind of. Vis- I can visualize you went from A to B and you're going to C and whatnot.
0: Got it. Okay, I took out of took off out of Oregon last Friday, I think. Not last, but actually the Friday before, so like ten days ago or so. Um, and my goal was to intersect the people's convoy coming out of Barstow. As soon as I could, and I managed to catch up to them in Cuba, Missouri. So that's when I kind of joined in with the, the convoy. I rode with the convoy to Terre Haute. Actually, I stopped in Terre Haute. They went like 50 miles farther to Monrovia, maybe, I think was where they were. Um, yeah, and I just that night. Yeah, so driving in the convoy itself was pretty awesome. You know, every day it was like 300 miles, 250 to 300 miles, and it was bizarre the first day that every single overpass on the entire route was packed with people and equipment and flags, and I'm watching the news, and they're like, oh, no, that thing just fizzled out, but... Those days of driving were the, with the convoy were just brutal for me. I'd have to get up in the morning, try to get as much work done as I could, try to get the coach ready, get a shower, work on our new shows and technology, and then, you know, jump into the convoy when they got started or try to catch up after an hour. Uh, and then that 250 or 300 miles most days was taking about eight hours. Because of everybody would slow down at the overpasses and sometimes we were stopped because we were creating so much traffic. And then at the end of the day, we'd get to the staging area and it was tough to get out of it. And get I needed to get to an RV park so I could go work, so I'd usually have to drive a half hour to an hour. And a couple days of that just exhausted me. And I thought, all right, I got to get out of this thing. Um, I'll keep an eye on it. If something interesting happens in D.C., I'm not that far away. I could shoot down there. Plus, I got to get back to work. You know, the convoy was fun, and I want to support them, but I got to get back to work. So I split off the convoy in Indiana, and I drove to Ravenna, Ohio, um, which is where my family is so I'm parked in my brother's driveway right now Um, and I don't really have to be anywhere to Louisville so that's like the 23rd so I'm going to hang out here for a little while and and you know take some time with my family and then I'm probably going to head over to Pittsburgh Power it's not that far away a couple hours at most and I may hang out at Pittsburgh Power till we all take off to the show from there.
3: Gotcha.
0: Sounds and like as far as eating, as far as eating, yeah, what's for dinner? I, ha- I have not eaten a, in 10 days, I have not eaten a single thing that I didn't bring with me in the coach. I haven't eaten out one time, haven't bought a snack, haven't bought a drink, a piece of food, coffee, nothing out of anywhere. Everything. So my diet hasn't changed a bit. I brought all my own food with me, all my own coffee, all my own butter, and i haven't eaten anything except my own food so nothing's changed
3: you trying to put 711 out of business or no, yep yep
0: as much <laughs> as i'd love to support the truck stops i'm not buying any food from them i will tell right. you though well, they're, they this trip they are getting plenty of my money for fuel i'm averaging and remember you know, in trucking we get paid, I mean there's some revenue there, and usually when fuel prices yeah. go up, fuel surcharge goes up and rates go up, so we we at least have some offsetting. Um, when I'm in the coach, I'm getting, uh, on this trip, I'm getting like 5.4 miles to the gallon right now is the best I've been able to do. It got a little better the first couple of days I was using Catalyst, but now it's dropped off again and I'm not sure why. So I'm averaging right now $350 a day in fuel.
3: That's a little that's kind of
0: expensive. That's a little steep considering like I said most days I you know when I was with the convoy I was only doing like 300 miles a day anyway. Uh but then other days I'm doing, you know, 650 to try to catch up and yeah, 350 bucks a day in fuel right now. Okay. So,
3: going back to your what you were talking with your the the electric and everything, and I know this is way way in the future but how how do you envision or how how would it work do I just buy an electric truck and say it's in service, and then it just gets punched in its route and then it just Runs and delivers, and I get money. Or how how is that going to oh,
0: work? No, no. Wait a minute, because you are confusing two things that I wish I could get everybody yeah. to separate. You said electric. Yeah,
3: right? yeah I know. Ato- a- autonomous electric.
0: Further separate down the road, them. they have nothing to do with each other because we are building autonomous diesel trucks right now. They're already on the road working. So electric and oh. autonomous don't don't make them seem like they're the same thing. They're they're absolutely not. We can make an electric okay. vehicle autonomous, but we're already using autonomous diesel trucks, and they're moving freight. It's not tests anymore. They're actually out there moving okay. freight and get paid for it.
3: I thought electric trucks were going to start to have a driver and then become autonomous. I didn't know diesel well, they,
0: was. They probably was will. Autonomous. Well, no, I'm sure they will. The The Tesla truck will come out as electric with some pretty robust autonomous features. It won't be a driverless truck. Eventually, I'm okay. sure it will. But, but don't confuse right. the two because we're already doing it with diesel. Now, to answer your question, basically what you just said is right. If, if, if you could figure out how to go buy an autonomous vehicle now – and you make sure you're operating in states that have laws that allow them, because that's all still working out, it's Ah. it's not out of the question. I mean, right now, the only people that seem to be running these autonomous vehicles are the companies that created them. So, for example, the biggest company doing this right now in the United States unfortunately is actually a chinese company it's it's a company called too simple tu simple they're i think they have big plants and testing facilities in arizona and so they produce these autonomous trucks now so far i don't believe they've sold them to anybody but they themselves the company too simple has contracts to move freight with their autonomous trucks, and they're doing it. I think they're delivering, like, a bunch of appliances from Texas to California, I think, on a regular. Every day, these trucks are running. And I think now, just within the last couple of weeks, I think they actually completed the first run with no driver in the vehicle at all. Okay, so
3: I'm... So if I just say five years from now everything's you know all the states allow autonomous and I just buy an autonomous truck, I just like get a load and I'll just see this truck take off from my my house to just to go and, and maybe I won't ever see it again because it'll continually be going.
0: That that's kind of the idea. Yeah, that's how it should work.
3: Yeah, because if it leaves my house and then makes continuous runs all through the country, I may never see it again until I called it home or something, right?
0: Right. I'm sure you're going to have some dashboard on your computer where you can watch it and control it and check all the systems, and I'm sure that's going to happen. But you're right. If physically seeing the truck, why would I ever want to see it again? Hell, I don't want it to come home keep working well you're
3: not making money if
0: it's home So exactly gone it's gone yeah just keep working and here's the other thing you know on electric vehicles first off they're so simple compared to a diesel vehicle a diesel engine has to have a cooling system it has to have an electrical system to be able to produce electricity for all the things we need electric for and it's got you know we have to have an airflow system and radiators and fans and turbochargers and a transmission and I mean it's really complicated so working on them and maintaining them is complicated electric vehicles are wildly simple most of the problems we will face will be electrical not so much mechanical and a lot of electrical issues and they're they're getting even better at this at designing systems that can be fixed remotely it's a programming yeah. thing like a, te- a you know a, a an electrical engineer is going to log into your truck remotely and fix things probably while it's moving absolutely we it, some of we that's don't... already being done i mean we have little bits yeah. and pieces some car tesla Tesla does a ton of their maintenance and updates over the air. You plug your car in at home, there's some sort of fix or update, and your car downloads it. It's like a, it's more of a computer than it is a car. Sure.
3: So, yeah, that was just kind of my – my. It, I couldn't fully grasp or envision that, yeah, if you got it to your place and it pulled out, it, you would never – you might not see it for years because it would just uh, yeah, pick that, up a
0: program <laughs> – so that's it. it
3: you yeah. just pick up
0: a programmed route. Yep. And and what about this? Huh. We do know that there are a lot of companies in trucks. None. This isn't happening in automotive, and maybe there's some way it could work. But in trucks, we're also advancing on platooning technologies. So maybe you actually start finding contracts where you could fill two trucks every time at the same place. And one of them just follows the other one. So it doesn't have to be as complicated as the first one is.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that would certainly – now, I know (laughs) – those could run 24 hours a day, couldn't they, if they had a a way to charge themselves?
0: Absolutely. There's no no hours of service. Now, once we go fully autonomous, like you're talking about, right, yeah, there's no hours of service. So, right, it can just run forever. ELDs will be a thing of the past, and we do have technology already. It's certainly not perfected, but we have technology where we can charge vehicles from the road itself. Right. So I really do envision a future where electric vehicles don't ever have to stop to charge, and if they're autonomous, they don't ever have to stop at all. Now, here's the applications in the automotive world for this kind of technology. Think about this. After your house, what is the biggest personal purchase everybody makes?
3: You, you know, okay,
0: your, vehicle, right? your personal a car. vehicle. Yeah, yes. your, your personal car. It, they're really expensive, really expensive. Mm-hmm. Out of 24 hours in every day, how much do you use it?
3: Yeah, my commute to work and back is 20 minutes each way, so I got 23 hours to 20 minutes of setting.
0: So, you know, we we are a car culture. Americans love our cars, but that's changing the millennials and the, the next generation, whatever the hell it is, they're not nearly as attached to the cars as the baby boomers are. And at some point, it absolutely makes no sense for everybody to own a vehicle. We will we will yeah. do vehicle sharing. You will simply open up your app and request a car, and a car shows up and, and takes you wherever you want to go. And then when I get out, I might get into <laughs> no. another car. And we could probably run our country on one-fourth the number of vehicles, maybe even less.
3: Yeah. Now, I'm I'm your your age, but I'm wondering if the millennials and the next generation don't have an affinity for cars because anything after 1990 or so, mid-'80s with the K cars were just awful and there was nothing to keep. Like the 50s and 60s cars.
0: That, and I think there's another factor. Why did a lot of baby boomers like their cars so much? Guys like me, I liked them because I worked on them. I built them. I customized (laughs) them. I modified them. But you can't even do that anymore. No. Like you can, but it's not as easy as it used to be, and and it's complicated and expensive, and why bother? And even a guy like me, a car guy, I'm kind of looking at it the same way. Like, why am I spending so much money on vehicles? And I'd much rather open up my app and have a car show up when I need it.
3: Yeah, no kidding. You talk about the, the, the car that the old lady only drove to church once a week, you know, this would really what vehicles are nowadays
0: imagine this my biggest struggle right now is the fact that I just took off on a big road trip in the middle of the biggest disruption of my business life yeah I'm right in the middle of a mess in my business we're work I'm happy that things are going great but I am I'm like sleeping four hours a night right now and because I have to drive on this trip. What if I had a fully autonomous electric RV? I'd be sitting in here working all day and getting, you know, eight hundred miles in.
3: Yeah, if it could go, if it could go twenty-four hours a day, you 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 know, right? It could leave <laughs> Friday midnight and be from Oregon and be in New York in you know, thirty-six uh, hours
0: or less. Exactly. Right, right. Here's another no thing hope. to think about. Just, you know, it's the possibilities. Why do we not have 100-mile-an-hour speed limits on our interstates? Because cars are certainly capable of going that fast.
3: Yeah, well, safety.
0: Because of humans. Yes. Autonomous vehicles will probably be able to be safe at 150 miles an hour.
3: Oh, boy, I didn't think about that. So if you wanted to, yeah, if you wanted to leave Oregon, you could be back to your brother's house in 12 hours.
0: <laughs> Isn't that crazy?
3: <laughs> I didn't mean a flight like that with layovers may take you
0: six. Yeah. I, 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 but the, all of that is possible.
3: Yes. No, I, yeah, I and I I have resigned myself to, to look at the electrics, if you will, as a Tesla because they're cool and they're fast and not as the politicized Prius for saving the environment. It, it kind of does the same thing, but you have to have a different look out at it. It's like, oh, you got a Tesla, you saving the environment? Hell no, I'm going zero to 60 in a second. <sighs> That's how I look
0: right. at it. With, with no noise and so many other advantages. Yeah, exactly. That's me. Like, Get the damn politics out of it. Let's stop talking about the green shit. Let's stop subsidizing all this crap because it pisses people off and it screws up the free market. Get the government out of it. Get the politics out of it and let the free market prove that this can work. So
3: with if Biden's going to put – 500,000 charging stations around the country. how I, I, I've seen them in like mall parking lots. What do you do? Do you pull up there and put your credit card in and charge for it to come on? Or is that free yep. or what?
0: No it's, no, it's definitely not free. It's like a gas station, self-serve. Yeah, you pull okay. up, you plug in, you stick in a credit card or you have an account or whatever. For example, and I don't know if this is still true about Tesla or not, but there was a time... Where if you bought a Tesla S model, and I don't know if you had to buy a specific model or not, but I think it might have been around the S model. Um, I know that if I would have owned one, and, and I have a friend who does own one, I could drive from my home in Oregon or even up in, you know, northern Washington if you wanted to. The entire I five corridor is, is Tesla has built in their superchargers. And if you own that model, you it was free for you. And I don't remember if it was a year oh. or forever. I don't. I don't remember the details. But there was a time where, yeah, there were people who could drive up and down I five all they wanted from Canada to Mexico and never spend a penny. Okay. So that
3: was a uh, dealer or manufacturer incentive to buy it that it won't cost you anything. And then if you like it, exactly, you keep using right. it.
0: Yep. Now, for example, here's here's something interesting. Granted, it's Oregon, and you know we're pretty green in Oregon. I live in a town with a thousand people. We don't have a bank. We don't have a pharmacy. We don't even have a single traffic light. Not one in our town. Um, we have two gas stations. We don't have any fast food. We have a couple little restaurants. So you get the idea. It's a pretty tiny little uh-huh. town. With not much of anything. You know what we do have? An electric vehicle charging, charging station. station. Yeah, we <laughs> we do have an, an electric vehicle charging station in our tiny little town. And does it get used? I, it, I, every time I go by there, just about somebody's using it. Okay. Like I said, well, I have a friend who, probably... lives, who lives in town that has a Tesla. I know there's at least two. I have a tiny little neighborhood, but I know I've seen – um, a Nissan Leaf, that's fully electric. I think, oh, I know a guy who has a Chevy Volt, that's full electric. So I know at least three people in my town that have full electric vehicles. And it's a small town.
3: Right. I'm just guessing they probably charge at home, and those people there at the station are driving through, maybe.
0: Now, the one neighbor that had the Nissan Leaf had no charging capabilities at home. I know it because oh, okay. she would stop every day after work, and she told me it would take 20 minutes, so she just had a book, and she'd sit there for 20 minutes before she went home and read a book. But you're right. If it were me, if I had an electric car before I ever bought it, I'd have full-blown charging capabilities at my house.
3: Yeah. Yeah, but as you said, every every month, every year, the, the storage Capacity of these batteries are going exponentially, so within five years they'll they'll have be able to go
0: a thousand miles, and and they might charge in ten minutes.
3: Yeah, that's the yeah, that would be the good part because right now to, if you're traveling and have one, a buddy of mine can't make it from northern Indiana to his daughter's college in Iowa. And there's a place thirty miles out of. Iowa that they stop for lunch to charge when they're going to go visit her.
0: Right. It's Granted, there's no way charging is as convenient as getting gas right now. But we've also been producing internal combustion engines for about 120 years. I mean, imagine the advancements we're going to make in electric now that everybody's making electric cars.
3: Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to the future. I may I may miss my 3.6 liter Buick when I punch on the gas and hear that noise. But if I'm going three times as fast, I I don't think there, I'll miss the noise.
0: Well, here's the thing: you won't have to. In fact, it'll be better. The, maybe you like the the noise of a I don't know a Mazda Miata better or a whatever. The technology already exists. You can customize what your car sounds like. Yeah, that's right.
3: Yeah. Maybe you could do the a, a, a 68 VW Bug.
0: There, see, there you go. Or we could do a... Uh, <laughs> I, to be nostalgic, my first engine in a truck was a 6V92, the two-stroke Detroit, and I love the sound of those things. I'd make my Tesla sound like a 6V92. <laughs>
3: Everybody at the stoplight would be looking around going, what the
0: hell? Yeah, I'm looking forward to the future.
3: Yeah, always. All right, well, good talking to you. Keep us updated on your travels and where you're at and what's going on and, yeah, what you're having for dinner.
0: Will do. Thanks for the call. Uh, Oh, you You know what? I'm going to – I have some other calls. I'm going to get to you, so don't hang up. Uh, I've got several on the line I want to get to. Um, But I also have an update. People have been asking me about the hotspot that I've been testing, and I do have a good update on that. So these, for the people who might not know what I'm talking about, these systems, um, if you go to Verizon, AT&T, Sprint, they'll all sell you what they call a hotspot, little device. You know, you can connect phones and laptops. Everything's wireless, and then that gets you on the Internet and they sell you an unlimited data plan, but it's very deceiving. If you use that hotspot and connect other devices to it, you do absolutely do not have true unlimited. What you have is maybe five or 10 gigabits a month, and when you use that, then you get throttled back to a speed that about all you can do with it is maybe check your email if you're lucky it's ridiculous and that 5 or 10 gigabits if you happen to use your hotspot to stream to a TV you will blow through that in about 2 hours and you're done for the month it's it's awful now if you wanted to watch TV on your phone or surf the internet on your phone you do have true unlimited. You could watch TV on your phone all month and they'd never throttle you back. But that's not very convenient and it certainly doesn't work for me. I need to power a bunch of other devices, laptops, you know, transmitting my show signals, watching TV while I'm on the road. So this has always been a challenge for me. How do I get all this data I need on the road? And the last trip out, I can tell you I was spending $600 a month on data. So I found these services. They're third party. You don't do this through the phone company. The two that I'm testing right now, one is called Nomad and one is called Sky Mobile. Here's what they claim. You buy a router from them, and the router is kind of just like a hotspot. You can plug, you know, network cables in, and, and or you can do wireless, and you can have multiple devices attached to them, TVs, phones, laptops, tablets, whatever, and they claim that you will then choose. Do you, want, you, do you want us to put a T-Mobile SIM in this router, a Verizon SIM, or an AT&T SIM? They'll even help you decide if you want based on where you live or where you travel. Then they put the SIM in the router. They program it. They ship it to you. One of the routers I bought, I bought a cheap one that was $150, and I bought the top of the line that was $500. Once it gets to you, you're supposed to be able to plug it in, get on the Internet, and no matter how much streaming you do, you never run out of data and you never get throttled back. And I thought, This almost sounds too good to be true, but I tried it. So here's my results. The Nomad came to me first, so I plugged in the Nomad that day. It took me all of five minutes to get on the air, and it was working, working beautifully. Good, fast Internet, streaming TV, no interruptions. I'm like, this thing is awesome. So I thought, I'm just going to leave the TV on for the rest of the day and see what happens. So I I was out of the coach in my office, and I came back out a couple hours later to the coach, and I saw the TV had stopped streaming. And I thought, oh, let me try to figure out why. So I tested the speed on my router, and I had been throttled back to almost nothing. And I thought, what a ripoff. How could they claim that and then do this? So you can't call anybody, but they do have online chat, and it was live, so I connect to the guy, and I'm like, hey, my router is working great. Now I'm throttled back. You know, I, I'm, I'm a little pissed off because I, I thought this might be too good to be true, and he's like, no, no, listen, look, it's, it works. Sometimes we run into some issues. Let me try to help you. We made a couple changes, the settings in the router. It didn't work, and he said, all right, I'll have to send it to tech support. It'll be resolved within 24 to 48 hours. So the next day wasn't done, but the next day I got my Sky Mobile router, and I hooked it up, easy hookup, connected within five minutes, checked my Internet speeds. They were excellent. Did the same thing. Immediately connected it to a TV, turned the TV on and let it stream. Nothing uses more data than streaming video. So I came out back out to the coach like eight hours later. My TV's still streaming. Now we're probably, I'm on my maybe 12th day with that device. I've been streaming TV. It has been flawless. Works beautifully everywhere I've been in the country. And never once did I get throttled back. And I am streaming TV all day, even if I'm not watching it. Just to see, how can I push it to a point where they turn me off? It doesn't look like it. Now, the first company, Nomad, did not solve my problem in 48 hours, hadn't solved my problem like five days later, and I hadn't even heard from anybody. So I started blasting the company with emails, and I said, you've got 24 hours to fix this problem, or I'm just going to send everything back and dispute it on my credit card. I'm not giving you a penny. They started responding immediately to me. Emails flying, we're so sorry. We don't know how this fell through the cracks. We'll have a technician contact you, or this problem will be solved in 24 hours. Nobody else contacted me. But lo and behold, and I don't know if it was 24 hours or if I forgot and checked it later, um, all of a sudden that service just started working, not throttled back, full speed. That was probably four days ago, and it's still working beautifully. So as of right now, both of my services, Nomad and Sky Mobile. Are working beautifully and they do seem to be true unlimited. So there's the update. But if I had to to recommend one, I'd say Sky Mobile um, because I didn't have any problems with that one. So that was also the more expensive router. I kind of doubt that made made a difference. But all right, we're uh, we're past the hour, but I'm going to clear all the calls we have. That's the beauty of this format on the show. I uh, nobody chases me out of the studio, so we're going to head off to Idaho for this call. RJ, welcome to the program. Hey, good
3: afternoon or good morning.
0: Um, What's on your
3: mind today? You should, well, you should probably put me back on hold because now I got about two miles ahead. I'm going into some curves and I'll drop the call for about a half a okay. mile. I'll try Got calling it. back and all right.
0: Okay. All right. Thanks for uh uh uh-huh. for helping us out there with the technology. Let's go to Texas instead. Grant, welcome to the program.
4: Hey Kevin. Well this call isn't exciting as technology and electric cars, but um I'm sitting in Midlothian, Texas at the Loves right now. And fuel is four ninety nine a gallon.
0: Yes, uh, it is. I've actually paid over five on the in Ohio right now. It's over five.
4: It's it's crazy. And here's here's my issue is I'm a car hauler, so I've got a big trailer that looks like a giant Erector set.
0: Exactly, and
4: it's not aerodynamic by any sense of the word. Uh, I'm getting four point eight, or I'm sorry, not four point eight, five point eight miles per gallon. Um, You got me beat. I I, I know you're getting a little bit less than that, but my question is, I want to slow down, okay? But when do you reach a point to where you're losing more revenue than you're saving in fuel?
0: This is the exact question every owner-operator needs to ask themselves and then try to figure out because the answer is different for everybody for a lot of reasons. And I can go through some and I can help people, but I can't definitively answer it for most people. Now, at some point, especially at $5 a gallon fuel, I could make some generalizations and say, look, if you're a single driver – and you don't have freight that you can pick up within 30 minutes, be back out on the road making revenue, get it off your trailer within 30 minutes, and every time you're not sleeping, you could be driving and the rates are still strong, then maybe you don't want to slow down at all. But if if I'm rushing to get to my delivery and I get there four hours early, and now I might even idle my truck because it's cold when I get there – it would have made a ton of sense to just slow down, a ton, yeah. it, it, So, but that's just one scenario, but that's how we have to start thinking, and that's why everybody – now, here's the thing. I'm going to go back. I have a calculator somewhere that I wrote years ago when fuel was really high, and i got to go find it, and if not, I, I can redo it again, but it, it helped you answer this question you could use this spreadsheet and kind of plug in your fuel price and your rate and a couple other things, and you could run scenarios, and it would say, yeah, if you slow down five miles an hour and our, our rate stays the same, you actually start profiting by this much. And if you slow down 10 miles an hour, you could actually profit by this much. And it helped. It's not perfect because there's a lot of variables in an equation like this, But almost always, I'm going to generalize again, almost always when it's over $5 a gallon, almost every truck on the road becomes more profitable by slowing down somewhere up to about 10 miles an hour. So if you've been running 70, almost every truck on the road would benefit from running 60.
4: Okay. Well, one... One good thing about hauling cars is I don't have a pickup time and I don't have a delivery time. I show up when I show up, so I'm not ever in a rush, but I do haul on a contract with the major car companies, so we have uh set rates that I'm not privy to see but um so we don't really get a fuel surcharge. we get a discount okay through our uh car- through our carrier that on lease two but um. That might help me decide because I don't have to be anywhere at any time.
0: You actually have an operation that it would be easier to calculate than. I mean, we could almost come to a definitive answer on your operation because so many of your variables are consistent. So – and – so, it really just comes down to sitting down and calculating the numbers and starting to save but i I can almost promise you at five you know point eight miles to the gallon and five dollar fuel running fifty five would be highly profitable for you.
4: Well, I'm willing to try it because you know thanks to you, I've got my act together, I've got savings. Uh, you know, my bank account's doing good and everything, so I can weather the storm for a while. Excellent.
0: <laughs> now, here, here's right. another thing we just need to throw in there. It's usually pretty consistent, but every now and then somebody slows down and they don't get the gains we think they should. Here's our formula. We, we've pretty much proven that average... Nothing's 100%. But average, every one mile per hour you slow a Class A truck down, you gain one-tenth of a mile per gallon. So 10 miles an hour should actually get you a full mile per gallon better. But if it doesn't, let's say you test it and it doesn't, you have to redo your calculations. You have to base your calculations on what you truly gained by slowing down. We just throw out averages. Average, you know, you should see a full mile per gallon if you slow down 10 miles an hour. Now, if I go on history, you are one of the trucks that I would expect you might gain even more than that because your aerodynamics are horrible, and aerodynamic is an exponential thing. When you start slowing down really bad aerodynamics, you see big gains. Now, take somebody like Steve Crone, and I don't know if you know these guys or if you follow all of our fuel mileage stuff, but guys like Steve Krohn, uh, Henry Albert, obviously Joel, um, those guys that have, like, maximized their aerodynamics, slowing down for them, they might only get a, a half of a mile per gallon out of slowing down 10 miles an hour. That's why all three of them, well, I know Joel and Henry have all worked on like running 70 miles an hour and still getting good fuel economy because their aerodynamics are just so good. Does that make sense?
4: Yeah, because my aerodynamics are so bad, it just exponentially gets worse the faster I go.
0: Yeah, and then the slower you go. I'm actually
4: pushing wind.
0: Yeah, so now the slower you go, it's exponential again. Your gains really should go up.
4: Okay, well, I got into the trap of, you know, if I go 1,000 miles at 60 miles an hour, it takes me three hours longer than if I'm doing 70 miles an hour.
0: I get it. You know, I'm out on the road right now going through those same calculations, and I can promise you on the last two legs, my cruise control was set at 70, and that's almost unheard of for me because I don't get any revenue back from any of this. It's all just pure expense for me. Um, but I, I got to be places and I got to get stuff done, so I just have to pay for it right now.
4: Well, I got fuel gauges, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try plan with my speed and watching my fuel gauges and, and uh, see what happens when I slow down a little bit more.
0: Excellent, excellent. Uh, Keep I, me informed.
4: I, I appreciate it, and I'm glad to uh, see you back in uh, whatever format you can get in. Uh, it's good to have you back.
0: Well, thank you, and I promise we will continue to make this better. We know it's not the best right now. We know sound quality isn't great. It's not convenient. I promise you, it's the only thing our team is working on right now to get us, our whole network, back up and running with good quality, nice and convenient. We're going to go to uh, Missouri this time. Eric, welcome to the program.
5: Oh, notes, 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 notes. Uh, if awesome. you put a quarter of the cars, if you put a quarter of the cars on the road all at the same time, we'll have wall to wall gridlock all the way across the nation. I don't think it's no. even a sixteenth that are on the road at the same time all at once. So I, I really think oh, that we oh, could yeah. probably eliminate. Oh yeah, yeah, I think yeah. we could eliminate a lot more cars than uh, than than just down to a quarter. I think maybe a thirty second. Of the uh, amount of cars on the road, if they if they were all moving all the time, I think we could we could
0: solve that. I think you're way closer than I am. As soon as I said a quarter, I thought, you know, I was trying to be conservative, but I think that's really, really way too conservative. I think you're right. This may come down to like a thirty second.
5: Right. Uh don't get me started on the Prius because uh the Prius gets worse fuel economy as a hybrid than the Fiesta ST does uh which goes 0 to 60
0: in 3.9 I think I have and if you listen to the show you know not only have <laughs> I never really promoted hybrid cars I said if somebody builds a hybrid truck I think they're an idiot it, it, now, now I will tell you what I do think is going to happen in the trucking world as far as a hybrid. I do believe for a while we may have hydrogen electric hybrids, and that's basically uh, you know, what the, the uh, Nikola truck, but Nikola is doing a full electric truck too, but I still think they're going forward with a hydrogen electric.
5: I want to try an Eaton powered axle and i want to try it with uh solar charging the uh between the solar and the regenerative braking i think just those two could keep that thing charged enough to make a a serious profit
0: i really want well, to try that hi- highly on and and did they get bought by Eaton? I think they got bought by somebody. I can't keep track of all this stuff. Uh, Hylion was that company out of Pittsburgh. John Walco knew a bunch of guys over there, so we were following them for a while, and then they got bought. But they build electric axles. They ju- I just read an article the other day about a, they, they have a truck partnership now, and they are building diesel-electric hybrid trucks. So it's got a little uh, elect- diesel motor on it. And it charges batteries, and the batteries run their electric axles. Um, I, I'm not all that excited about a setup like that. It, it might be cool. No, if I'm they, more they transition. But I, I'm like you said, the hybrid cars. I can remember when they first made the Civic a uh, uh, hybrid. It got one more mile per gallon and cost like twelve thousand dollars more. <laughs> it was <just> ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. No, what I'm about that, Think of all that complication in that vehicle. Why the hell do I want this thing?
5: Yeah, see what I'm talking about though is a, a a six by two uh front forward drive with an electric rear axle that only comes on, you know, when when the batteries are charged. You know, I think I think that could be uh a, a, a pretty big step. I think that. I, I think, think it's an awesome, awesome
0: idea. I and why uh, not? Uh, I don't know, I don't think the physics, no, here's something else, and if we're going to do that, so now we're going to have that axle regenerates, it becomes a braking axle, it can act Uh like a retarder and generate power, and what would stop us from putting another set of batteries, if we own the trailer, putting another set of batteries on the trailer and put two electric axles on it? Not right, power axles, full just regenerative axles, right? Yeah, exactly.
5: Right. Plus full solar across the top. Yeah, I think that'd be pretty Perfect. awesome. Uh, yeah. Speaking of John John Walco, let's uh, let's geek out just a little bit and talk about uh, uh, electric cars, and let's talk about if we could limit the amount of power going to a a uh, electric motor. I know it, it com- completely ruins Ohm's law. But you could use capacitive batteries for a situation like that.
0: Okay, so you're right. You just totally geeked out, and <laughs> all of that <laughs> flew right over my head because I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, yeah, I talking Om- about a Ohm's law, idea, but I can't Ohm's talk intelligently about it.
5: Ohm's law just basically uh, just just the uh, uh, the easiest way to explain it basically says that. Uh, Whatever is going to use the power is going to use the maximum amount of power that it can use. It's going to use all the power that it needs in order to run it.
0: Okay. Okay.
5: Yeah. So, uh, which brings which brings me to the the next little note that I have here. Uh,
0: have you heard of the Skull Start from Skeleton Technologies? I have. Aren't they in Germany or they're in some foreign country, right?
5: I haven't really checked on that. I was oh, okay. I was looking, yeah, I was looking for a replacement for the Maxwell Start module. Oh. So are we?
0: And it looks like so, for a Class A truck, as far as I can tell, Skel is the only other one out there. It's significantly more expensive. I think it's almost double the cost of the Maxwell. And mm-hmm. we were actually trying to reach out to them to see about possibly becoming a distributor here in the U.S. And then the world fell apart, and, you know, things have been crazy, and I haven't really worked much on that. But I've explored their technology. I I think it's a better product than the Maxwell was, but it is significantly more expensive.
5: I I think it is, too. Uh, The Maxwell started with uh, 12 ultra-capacitors, and this thing has, like, 68. Ultra capacitors.
0: Exactly. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's it, a pretty, it, it's a really high
5: quality product. hmm And and uh, the the cold cranking amps on it is uh, about three hundred and something more than the cold cranking amps were on the uh, uh, the Maxwell Start module was eight eighteen hundred
0: and, and this one's like twenty one ninety four. The average so lead acid truck battery, I think, is like eleven hundred. So we're almost. Uh uh-huh. you know, and I can tell you, on a lot of trucks, the Maxwell made it sound like you had an air starter. That thing kicked over so fast. I can't imagine what this one will do. <laughs> well, according to Ohm's law, it'll just use all the power that it that it can, you know,
5: for for turning that truck over. So we might probably we might, uh, we might see something. Uh, you know, the probably start spin says that, that starter good, pretty
0: fast. It's good up to uh,
5: 17 liters is what they're what they're claiming on the 12 volt it. So your Sky Mobile your Sky Mobile box uh who's who's the uh the carrier the main carrier for for that
0: you choose on both services Nomad and Sky Mobile you choose between Verizon AT&T and T-Mobile it's your choice so which one did you, and
5: which one did you go
0: with cuz you went so with right T-Mobile
5: for your other one right
0: yeah Nomad is T-Mobile and my are yeah, Nomad is T-Mobile. My Sky Mobile router has got AT&T SIMs in it right now, and the reason I did that is because I have an I have another router on board that I've always used that has Verizon SIMs in it. Now that's not an unlimited, but now mm-hmm. that I've tested these two. It might seem like a little bit of overboard for most people, but when I'm on the road, my connection is really important. I have a feeling too. I'm, I yeah, I have a feeling I'm going to go to a third account in the coach. So I will have I'll probably go and I may even send my nomad back. Just because if I'm gonna have this service, why wouldn't I just have all three on one? And I may actually go buy two more routers from Sky Mobile and one will be T-Mobile and one will be Verizon and I'll have three routers putting out unlimited data I think I'd be pretty safe then You
5: have uh external antenna on that Sky Mobile I do yep the no awesome, awesome
0: cuz yeah the, the no Let me tell I, you let me go ahead Yeah let me tell
5: you what I got here uh we've got my wife has uh two phones uh one of them's unlimited T-Mobile one of them's unlimited Verizon uh The Verizon, that she she works remotely. And then I've got uh, two SIMs in my one phone, and I can switch between the two of them effortlessly. Um. She can't use the the Verizon one to start her system because she works remotely. uh, There's a bunch of programs that need to run. So she has to do the T-Mobile first and then switch over after everything's up and running to the Verizon in order to get that to work. We're limited on 10 gigs per, and I've got 20 gigs on my T-Mobile on mine. Uh, So between the four of those, plus all the TV streaming that we do, but we don't actually stream to the TV. I just plug my phone into a thing called a DeX, uh, and it basically turns the phone into a desktop computer, and
0: and here's just full-screen TV from there. I don't know if you've tested this yet or not, but I can tell you I did a ton of this. I kept thinking, you know, cuz as soon as you stream to the TV, you start wiping out your data And you can go through your whole month worth of data in 2 hours. But yep. so I thought the same thing. I thought, "Well, wait a minute. What if I I connect it hardwired?" Like, I'm going to take my phone and actually hardwire it to my TV, and then all I thought I was doing was taking the picture that was on my phone and trying to connect it. I can't – it wouldn't even allow me. It actually – I tried everywhere. I tried Bluetooth. I tried Wi-Fi. I tried a wired connection. Every time I tried to send that data to that TV, it could sense it, and it just wouldn't let me do it.
5: Yeah, the issue with that is, is it's a block inside of the phone. That's uh, that's what happens when you go directly with iPhone. With uh, with Android be, yeah. devices, you yeah, with Android devices, you can sh- you can share data with other programs,
0: and all you have to do is download the right program in order to communicate with your TV. Got it. Okay. Now here's the thing, and I have spent every time I've been on the road, I spend all kinds of time trying to manage data. I have a SIM cards everywhere. I have accounts everywhere and it's every day. How much data do I left have left on this one? Okay, let's use this one today. And I mean there's a nightmare. I have to tell you the last week has been awesome. Two TVs in the coach streaming all day if I want. I'm on the internet all day long. I don't think about data. I don't have to switch connections. I've just got all the devices connected to the two routers and everything just works i'm loving it
5: very nice yeah that t-mobile um there's a couple of spots up there in uh wisconsin that if we stop up there like uh portage wisconsin or uh uh, stop up there by the dells the t-mobile service says that you have five bars of 5g even if you switch over to 4G, you still got five bars of 4G, but you can't get data to work at all. And huh. I've got the unlimited. I, I've got the unlimited plan, and when I call to find out if I'm throttled, because I'll use 160, 250. Uh, uh, I I think the most that I've used is in the 400s uh, per month yeah. on one phone. Yeah, and that's not. I know. You know, that's not the whole thing. That's one phone. And every time that I call, they're like, no, you know, we'll try to refresh the tower and and all that. But it's only just a couple of little places that I've had that problem. I'm wondering if
0: you had that same issue where you just got a bad tower. Um, Very, very rarely. And, again, because I have – at times I've had all three, and I do right now. I have Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. I can always find something that's working. Here's another interesting thing. Neither one of these routers are 5G routers. They're 3G and 4G, and you can even see a light on them. It tells you which one you're accessing, 3G or 4G. But I, I was a little shocked the other day. I stopped somewhere, my AT&T router was giving me like 130 megabits down and like 60-something up. I didn't know 4G could be that fast. Oh yeah, 4G is pretty awesome.
5: 4G limits I think somewhere around uh, 190 or something. Oh, and a okay. Full gigab- and a full gigabit down, but it's also based on Node, So how many people are on that same node downloading True. at the same time? True.
0: Right. Yeah, I but, I, it, but most it is of the time it is, is gig I've never seen speeds like that, but I yeah, I was it was just cranking and that's just 4G.
5: Awesome. Well, I think I've geeked out enough. I've got information that I was interested in and uh
0: we we hope to hear more from you. There you go. Thanks. I appreciate it. Let's uh we're going to grab a couple more calls here um just the ones that are on the line so don't keep calling and I got to wrap this up today. Um I have found some Potential solutions to my technology issue. I just going forward, making this all better. I had a couple of breakthroughs over the weekend. Uh, I just need to go someplace today and get some equipment and start working on it. So, we'll take these last two calls. We'll wrap it up. We're going to go to Tim in Wisconsin. Welcome. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? Doing good. What's on your mind today? Uh,
3: I got a couple really good questions. So, uh, first off. Made, uh, hey, hey Tim,
0: Tim. Yep. Are you on some kind of a Bluetooth or speaker? Your your call quality is really poor.
5: Is this any better,
0: Kevin? It's a little better. Go ahead and give it a shot. We'll see how it sounds. All right. How about now?
1: Is that better?
0: It got a little louder, but it's still a little staticky and kind of broken up.
5: Okay, well, okay. how about that? Any better there?
0: No, but go ahead. Go ahead. We'll see if we can make it work. I can hear you. The people listening might be struggling even more. That's what I worry about, but go ahead.
3: Okay, so the other question, first I made, because I didn't have my eluder right yet,
0: I went to the health food store and got some
3: conserve or, or whatever you call
0: it, made that, and... Uh, hey, hey, Tim... <laughs> Tim, I, 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 now I'm even having a hard time understanding everything, so we got to try to fix this or I'm going to have to drop you. Oh, uh, I think we just lost the call. I, Yeah, I have a feeling he had a pretty bad connection. Uh, one more call, then we're going to wrap this up. Adam in Texas, you get the last word today. What's on your mind?
2: Oh, what's up, brother? Nice to hear from you again.
0: Good to have you here. What can I help you with?
2: Yeah, so uh, I got a little bit of a health question pertaining to blood pressure. Um, So, you know, went off the rails Christmas time. Three days after Christmas went strict carnivore. I mean, very strict. And uh, about three weeks ago, I uh, left the house, came back into Texas, and they sent me, I had to go do my DOT physical anyway, so uh, they sent me to one of these Texas med clinics, Uh, went in there, and it came out probably better than, you know, any DOT physical I've ever had. My blood pressure was 115 over 75. Excellent. um, Zero. Zero sugar in my urine, perfect. Um, so everything was good. I mean, he he yelled at me because he saw me smoking a cigarette by the front door before I came in. But you <laughs> know, uh, you know, other than that, everything was amazing. So you know, I was I was happy to hear that. And, and you know, even you know, my neck size is under eighteen because I, I I was always getting tagged for sleep studies, right? Um, but I know. I haven't been adamant about checking my blood pressure, but the last time I was really checking it, probably around Thanksgiving, it was, it was a little, it was in, you know, the hypertension range. Okay. So, uh, you know, at the physical after about, you know, five weeks on carnivore, 115 over 75. Um, I go home, you know, a week later to Colorado Springs. And um, check my blood pressure again. I'm at 153 over 90. So
0: was it and, just a one-time thing, or is it now consistently like that?
2: Well, I, uh, that was my question. I, I've been check. I checked it all weekend at at home because it scared me. I'm like, I you know, I was just 115 over 75. What's going on? Hadn't changed. Hadn't had right. a cheat meal. Right. Nothing. And then all of a sudden I'm back in hypertension. And so I take the blood pressure cuff with me. I get back down to San Antonio uh, last week. I'm uh, 118 over
0: 58. Perfect.
2: So here's the thing. I I was wondering if it was the elevation or what's going on here, you know.
0: The good news is, and I'll come back to explaining what it might have been. The good news is you're fine. Don't worry about anything. You don't really need to change anything. Blood pressure is like this. It, it can be. I can take somebody and raise their blood pressure in 30 seconds if I want to. I put them in a really sure. hot shower. Put them in a really hot shower, their blood pressure is going to go through the roof. how it works. Um, nothing wrong with that, though. So when we get those one readings here where it's really high, I could come up with 10 reasons why stress will do it, heat will do it, um, altitude would have an impact on it. Your body has to start pumping a lot more blood to get enough oxygen to your lungs because there's not enough oxygen in the atmosphere. So it has to pump more yeah. volume of blood just to get your, oxy- your oxygen levels up to where they need to be. So, yeah, altitude would have an impact on it. But that's why we tell people, don't go by the- your blood pressure reading you get at the doctor. We, we know that there's right. a problem there. We call it white coat syndrome. Everybody's blood pressure goes through the roof when they're at the doctor's office. So <laughs> blood pressure costs you well, 30 bucks. Go buy a blood pressure right. cuff, and you'll find out the more you check it, it's all over the board, and that's okay.
2: But exactly. you want
0: to be mostly under those numbers, you know, the, the 120 over 80 kind of thing. Um, and when you get those occasional high ratings, no big deal. Now, if all of a sudden, every time you check, you're running higher than you want to be, then we'd have to say, okay, what happened? And – while we're talking about it, and this is my last call, I might as well um, throw this in there because I, I thought you were going to ask me about lowering it or if we're going to uh, need to. Um, uh, my answer is going to be there are basically three ways we've found to attack this. And I, th- I've been working on this for about a year, so we've learned a lot about this. We can take the quick, easy way that actually works for most people. And believe it or not, it is a supplement. Cardio Miracle seems to just be amazing for this, and there's a lot of other good stuff in there, vitamin D and zinc and all kinds of other things we should probably take every day anyway. I just hate taking supplements. But I've found that I I actually, the Cardio Miracle is now a habit for me because I put it in water, and I need to drink more water anyway, so I make sure when I get up in the morning, I get my big water bottle, I put a scoop of Cardio Miracle in, fill it up with water and drink till it's gone, and then later on in the evening, I do it again. And it's been pretty amazing. Now, that's the quick, easy yeah. way. The other way is to really, if, if, if it's we're having a problem, it's probably chronic stress-related. So we could approach the root cause of the problem by lowering our stress levels and building our stress muscle, which is that whole protocol I've been working on. And I've released all the parts of the protocol. We just haven't published everything yet because we're still working on it. But it's basically cold exposure, infrared sauna, Wim Hof breathing, and what am I missing? Cold exposure, sauna, Wim Hof. Oh, and the X3 workout or any kind of high-intensity, short-duration workout. We just like the X3 bar, especially in the truck. Those four things, done consistently, do both. They lower your overall stress levels. They build your stress muscle, and blood pressure is a big part of that, so it comes down. That's number two. Then number three, which is the option I work best, do them both. Do all the stress protocols right. and do the cardio miracle, and lots of things get better.
2: Yeah, I, was, I mean, I was scouring, you know, and it, you know, because it does, it does kinda of scare you <laughs> when you're getting these high readings all of a sudden. And oh yeah, absolutely. So I was thinking about you know and and, and the imme- well the immediate thing that popped in my head was the altitude. You know, I'm I'm six. No, you were on the right track. Than, yep. You know. Yep. So uh but I was thinking about just doing the cardio miracle for ho- for when I'm at home. <clears throat> or or maybe even starting to go out there and do some some uh you know jogging or stuff when i'm at home in the in the higher elevations.
0: So and, here's uh, what i would recommend. Instead of jogging for a mile or two or 20 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever, go sprint instead.
2: Yeah, like a hit the uh, hit stuff. Yeah, hit it you know, yeah, exactly. off.
0: Yeah. One of the good yeah. ways to do it with jogging and it's easy to do in Colorado cuz you have hills everywhere. I when i do like sure. sprint or bicycle for hit. What I like to have is a hill. So I run up yeah. the hill, which really stresses me, and then I walk back down and then run back up.
2: Sprint. Yeah. Well, we you do those we were in, you know, a,
0: three or four until you feel like you're going to fall over, and it only takes you ten minutes, and you're done. <laughs> sure.
2: Yeah, back when in uh, the early days in football, we used to do what they called thousand-yard relays, and you okay. would all line up at the end zone, and you would run as hard as you could to the other end zone, and then you would walk back. Yep. And you would do that ten times or whatever for a thousand yards. And yeah, it's basically our, the same thing. We just
0: our, we didn't we know did what a hit was a,
2: back then. You know.
0: We did kind of the same thing, and our coach called them wind sprints.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I, I think building up my. My cardio while I'm at home. Man, the cardio health is—I mean, the cardio miracle. You know, I, w- I wish that shit was a little bit cheaper because <laughs> it's, 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 it's a, not cheap you know, for sure.
0: Here, I—I I think I can help you cut the price in half. Try only listen. doing one scoop a day and see if you get the same results. You might. Okay. I know the recommended dose is two scoops. And I tell people, start with that. We want to make sure this thing works, and so jump in with two scoops. But at some point, switch to one. My guess is you're still going to get the same results, and we're going to cut our cost in half.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, – and then, you know, mainly when I'm at home. I, I, I'm pretty much in Texas when I'm not at home. And, uh, you know, my, my readings seem to be fine here, so – so um, it,
0: I, I think you were on the right track. The altitude has – and you know what? It's like a lot of things. If you spent all of your time at that altitude, your probably, body would probably adjust somewhat on its own. I will tell you this. if, if You know, the whole stress protocol is designed for all the problems stress causes, and there's a lot of them. But if our focus yeah. is pure blood pressure, I'll tell you the one that works the best is the cold exposure.
2: Right. I do that when I when I shower at the truck stop. I I hit that cold good. shower. Perfect. I do I do the Wim Hof. I don't I don't have the X three X three or the sauna blanket, but um, I did buy my wife the sauna blanket for Christmas. She she enjoys it, and uh, good. good it's helping her a lot. She's a school teacher, so just you know she's stress she's stressed anyway. But
0: um, yeah, she gave and me the uh, the now. diesel watch. Holy cow!
2: <laughs> yeah. She gave me the diesel watch for my birthday, awesome. and um, I, I I love that thing. And, me too. Uh, but what I can see is my, my heart rate is always over 90, always over 90. I mean, I, I, you know, okay, hardly so ever am I getting under that.
0: The, the best way to bring your, your resting heart rate down is some sort of HIIT training, and especially if you do yeah. that HIIT training at home in Colorado that it it's like right. sports teams and and a lot of professional athletes go to colorado to train just for that reason that altitude if you oh, train
2: cool. in that altitude yep. it, it's really powerful yeah we have right there in my town we have the olympics training center i've um, been there awesome place yeah oh it is yeah my it's really cool my um when i
0: coached in the club uh at high school i was the Well, technically I wasn't head coach, but I I ran the whole wrestling program. I did all the training and that. But in the club, um, our head coach in the club was actually, uh, he's Olympic level qualified, and he goes out to the training center out there all the time.
2: Yeah. But everything is, uh, I mean, other than everything's awesome, uh, you know, we've been doing the yogurt for since, uh, you know, Right at the first of the year too, with everything. Oh, awesome! You know, well, no
0: wonder why you got such so good I, results. You jumped into the deep end with both feet.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, and, and you know, I'm not really looking at the scale because I, I am working out. So, um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a big guy. I mean, my my weight at the at the physical was 297, but I'm, you know, I, I wear a size 36. So. Nice. You know, I'm not yeah. really concerned with that. You know, that's a lot of more muscle than than fat. That's right. And yep. So I, I, you know, I try to stay away from that with whatever that scale says and see how you know my how my clothes fit. And, you know, exactly. But yeah, hey. we're uh, we're doing good. I just I just wanted to run that by you because it, it gave me a little concern you know no you're on the right track
0: you had already figured it out on your own um you're just calling me to verify sure. and you're correct yep you had it yep you're the almighty wise one so <laughs> well like you're like i said you had this figured out all i did was verify it for you
2: yeah uh, that's that, that that's more than i could ask for brother I appreciate it perfect
0: perfect you're welcome thanks for the call awesome results we're going to take No, we're not. We're done. Um, I thought I was going to have one more update before I wrap this up today. What was I thinking? Oh, I know what it is. Um, All the stuff we just talked about in that conversation, Cardio Miracle, the infrared sauna blanket, the X3 bar. uh, I think there were some others in there. What else did we talk about? The Cardio Miracle, X3, sauna blanket, uh, all of that. And everything else, it's all available in our store. A lot of people, I keep getting blasted with messages, and I love it. Keep them coming. Um, But the theme has been, how can we help? How can we help? We canceled Sirius. We want to send you some money. Don't just send us money. Just support us. And the store is the easiest and and one of our best ways uh, to support us. Just go buy stuff in the store. And I don't want you to just buy stuff, but we have awesome food. We have seafood. We have beef sticks. We have nut butters. I could go on and on and on. We have, you know, soups and the supplements you need and the Cardio Miracle. And just support us. Just buy stuff that's good for you anyway. It's it's all this stuff we've proven it works. They all have benefits. The food's amazing. Just go to our store, com. And just support us through the store right now. That's all we need really to get us through. And then, of course, the two websites. But almost everybody listening to me is probably already a member because you're really the only people we're promoting this to. Um, so if you want, help promote our websites. Get people to HealthyTribe.com and TruckingTribe.com. They're 3 bucks a month. Um, but it actually helps us. It, it, it's revenue that we need to replace. Um We did lose a significant amount of revenue overnight. Three big sponsors uh it cost us a lot, and we're going to have to figure out how to replace that we're okay we're 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 in a pretty good cash position for now, but I also know that there's a really good chance our store sales are about to plummet because we're not on the air we 're not reaching. I don't even know what the number is. We're not reaching 100,000 people anymore. Right now, we're reaching 300. That's pretty significant. So we need your help. You are the people we consider the tribe. That's why we came to you first. You're, you're the only people hearing these shows. I mean, every now and then, somebody else shares the link. Or, but, but for the most part, we're only promoting these shows and doing these shows for you, the tribe. Really small group right now, we got to grow that, but in the meantime, all the support you can give us as as the tribe is greatly appreciated, and it really does help us, and it will help us build out our network that much faster so we can bring you even more value than we ever did on Sirius. I promise you, help us build this network out, and we will build a trucking channel you can be proud of, a trucking channel that is going to bring you the very best information in every area. Trucks, fuel mileage, maintenance, business, accounting, technology, health, you name it. We're going to cover it, and we're going to do it right. We're going to build a trucking network that really brings value. We do need your help. Come on over and support us and, and start spreading the word. And with that, I'm going to wrap this up, and I'm going to do my part. I'm going to go do the hard work on my end to try to keep improving this thing and get it out to more and more people. So thank you. Calls and questions are great. Myself and the team, we couldn't appreciate your support more. Uh, and we will see you back here tomorrow. Same time, same bet channel. Um Should be the Power Hour. That's right. We're going back to uh, some of our regular shows, and the Power Hour is one of them. So uh, tomorrow we'll be joined by the team from Pittsburgh Power, and we'll uh, take all of your maintenance-related calls. So we'll see you then. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. Thanks, everybody.